justice plays an important role. I consider this tribunal a false tribunal and indictments false indictments. Such abhorrent crimes must not go unpunished. Proceedings will be long and complex. All rise. Hi, welcome to Asymmetrical Haircuts, a different view on international justice with me, Jana Anderson. And me, Stephanie van der Berg. You're here because you're interested in The Hague and justice, and you want to hear insights from a couple of journalists with asymmetrical haircuts, which would be us. But asymmetrical haircuts, we need to explain that to start with. I've got an asymmetrical haircut, how about you? And so do I, and we found out that this is kind of the haircut of international justice. Well, the reason why we found out that was because this amazing actress, who I've forgotten exactly who she was, Sharon Stone, she's some icon from the 1990s, came to The Hague because The Hague is the city of peace and justice to take part in this um, big gala. And we looked at each other, both sort of in our 50s, and said, hey... Well, she said, actually, hey, we've got the same haircut. And she also had a haircut of asymmetricalness. So that's why we thought it would be fun to uh, to use this. Yeah, and then Janet sent me a selfie of her with Sharon Stone with the haircut. And I thought, I have that haircut. And we realized that a lot of women <laughs> who feel who do international justice have the same haircut. I guess it's the haircut of quirky, interested women in their uh, middle age or something like that. And we're mainly going to interview not necessarily only women with asymmetrical haircuts, but mainly women experts. Yeah, because we found out that when uh, we are looking for experts, a lot of the experts are always the same men. And this is always because I find as a journalist for Reuters, when I call people to comment, a lot of the women are like, that I try to call because I'm trying to get more diverse in my sources they say, oh, this is not super specific about what I know about, So, and I don't want to say something in general, so I won't comment. And you call a man, an, an academic, and he says, well, I don't know so much about it, but I'm happy to comment. And so we realized to change this up, we have to invite women specifically to talk about the topics that interest them and to get a kind of different view because they bring a different kind of experience. But we do want both men and women to be listening and uh, not only women. Um, and we might occasionally. Are we allowed to have a man on occasionally? I think totally. Otherwise, we would, uh, we would have re reverse discrimination. But um, the idea is to get people on the show that you don't generally hear from or that don't appear in all the blogs or in all the articles. And the kind of subjects we're going to do, well, we are obviously a little bit obsessed by this world of international justice. Um, I started getting involved from about 1998 onwards when I was looking at the Rwanda Tribunal, then back here in The Hague at the Yugoslav Tribunal, and now we've got the International Criminal Court. But we've also got this kind of explosion of material that we can cover all over the world. Yeah, and same for me. I started as a journalist uh, covering uh, Dutch news in, the, in around 2001 and I was sent to the Yugoslav tribunal to cover that and realized that hey this is something very specific that's going on this is interesting and I became kind of an expert on the spot so then when you follow one of those tribunals you get asked for the others as well and you kind of get sucked in by the, by the story. We're not going to assume that people who are listening are completely uh, neophytes. We're going to assume that they have some uh, understanding of some of the terminology that we're using. But of course, they can always let us know if they want some more explanation of things. Um, and we're going to try and tackle some of the big 
picture things because I mean you're working day in day out as a journalist in this sphere aren't you so you know what the news is I know what the news is but I like to focus a bit more on the background and the kind of bigger developments um, and um, as you say we we're not going to expect you to know nothing about international justice but we will explain because we also get lost in who exactly was Katanga Lubanga or what are the names of those Yugoslav generals again so we'll keep the um the amount of uh, acronyms down um, and we'll keep the level of discussion up as high as we can and make it as fun as we can. Um, but we will be going into what is probably now seen as quite a crisis going on in this sphere. Uh, I mean, the way I see it is that you know, since the 1990s, when everybody said, yay, what a good idea, let's have some international justice, we can all agree to this. It's just been on the slide since then right down to everybody is now coming to the practical conclusion that this is really really tough and they're looking for other avenues beyond the big tribunals to make it happen yeah so for a long time in the beginning it was all about getting this icc set up this international court and when it would all the cases would go there and it would be wonderful and now we're finding out that it's it's hard to set up this institution it's hard to get it working it's hard to actually get cases and it's still far away <coughs> in the hague far removed from the people that it actually concerns. So you're kind of seeing, um, rather than having this big tribunal that would get a lot of synergy and could do all the cases, you're seeing now a move back to smaller tribunals. And lots of different things being set up in different places um, makes it maybe a bit more difficult for us to cover occasionally because we're based uh, here in the Netherlands. But it's exciting. It is exciting. And um, to cover some of the stuff we're going to talk about on this podcast, to give you a bit of a preview of what we might have, we have talked about, um, we have talked with Celeste Hicks, with uh, who wrote a book about the Habre trial in Senegal, which is an example of one of those cases that was done outside of The Hague and locally and an idea of African justice delivered in Africa by African uh, jurists. And also an example of something that's happened so, so long after the actual events, but still incredibly meaningful for the victims. Absolutely. And and kind of quick and cheap, which uh, all the international community likes to have. We're going to talk about stuff that we don't talk about very much in international justice, namely specifically perpetrators and what happens after people are convicted and they serve their sentence. We have uh, Barbara Hola here who did a lot of research about that. So you'll be hearing from her in another episode of our podcast. And we're also going to do something about uh, the big issue of reparations because there's a lot of questions about whether the victims, uh, those who actually experienced crimes against humanity, genocide, war crimes, whether they get any recompense in the end at all and what it would really mean for them. So we're also going to be talking with Lorraine Smith Van Lynn about that and understanding what the big issues are there. This is a slight preview of what we're going to do. Um, if you have suggestions, we're always happy to hear them. We have our own website that we're setting up. It's uh, asymmetricalhaircuts.com, asymmetrical with double M. Yeah, I can never spell it. You know, just Google it and then you'll be able to find out how to spell it yourself. I was quite happy that the domain was still un unused by hairdressers. And uh, we always ask the same three questions to our guests. Um, so as a tryout, why don't we do it to ourselves? Let me ask you, Stephanie, what we always ask. What's the one thing that nobody ever asks you, but that they should? I should have been prepared for this question, shouldn't I? That's what the guests will always say. I should have been prepared. So now yes. you know what it's like to be on the other end of this. Um, I think the main thing 
is that people always assume that I'm a lawyer or that I have some kind of law degree to understand all of this. And um, they don't really realize that this uh, international justice is a kind of on-the-go thing, that you learn this because you follow these tribunals. And even the people with a law degree generally don't know this international justice or the way international tribunals work as much as I do because I follow it and it's a lot of practical day-to-day -day things and how this your jurisprudence is you learn it from other tribunals and not at all from a law book next one I guess I already answered the second question but I'm gonna so I'm gonna ask it of you Janet um, what's the thing that everybody always gets wrong about your job I think people assume that we kind of sit in the courtrooms and uh, watch these trials. But to be honest, they're incredibly boring, most of these trials. And nobody would want to be condemned to sit there and monitor absolutely all of them all day, day in, day out. So we actually spend our time sometimes monitoring them, but most of the time kind of flitting around and asking other people what they think about what's going on. So I think people get that wrong. And I think then what we also need to do is the third question, which is, is there anything that you've seen or read that you really want to recommend? I'm going to take that first, having asked the question. Um, I always pull everybody towards the Indonesian documentary drama called The Act of Killing, which gave me the sense that it is okay to look at this world not always completely factually, not completely informationally, but also to understand that it's about um, people's feelings and emotions and to really understand the full gamut of atrocity crimes, because we're dealing with some pretty horrible stuff, you have to understand that it's also about how people feel about things. What about you? Well, I always, so when I started this work, um, there was one, I started reading up on the war in the former Yugoslavia because I'm one of those people when a problem presents itself, I buy five books about it and read as much as I can to be as informed as I can. And I got my hands on this Elizabeth Neufer book called uh, The Key to My Neighbor's House. And it's about the war, the genocide in Rwanda and Bosnia. And basically it explains how these communities that were so close with people who literally had the key to their neighbor's house to water the plants when they were out, to feed the dog, ended up um, on the other side of a gun, basically, to each other, and ended up killing these neighbors that they cared so much about, and how this happens, and that it's not this idea of centuries-old uh, rivalries that are playing out or that people have always hated each other and suddenly it came to a boil, what you know the media likes to portray like that because it's a very simple narrative, but it's almost always much more complicated. And people who used to be very close can somehow be driven apart by economic insecurity, by nationalism, by being egged on to do things. And these are communities that are very much close and tightly woven that get blasted apart by war and and I found that very interesting as an idea of why these things happen and it can also have that sense that particular book of it, it could happen to any of us we you know we live in very maybe less tightly woven communities but w we could also be perpetrators yeah, I think so and I think that's the, the the scary thing and the good thing about that book is when you read it you can really see how that develops incrementally, how step by step um, 
you start thinking that maybe your neighbor is actually working against you or maybe your neighbor is getting things because he is a Tutsi or he is a Bosnian or maybe he's taking something from you because he has some kind of hatred so you get some kind of feeling towards them and, and it really, really describes that process of disintegration of a society really that leads to this. So if you're interested in the same kind of things that we're interested in, uh, atrocity crimes and the contemporary resonances, please listen along with us as we explore it in Asymmetrical Haircuts. Um, thank you very much to our editorial intern, Hannah van den Werf, to our advisor, Joost van Egmond, and of course to our hosts. Humanity Hub that we're in right now in the nice room that they provide. So sometimes you hear some sound in the background. It's other colleagues working in this wonderful working space in The Hague uh, for NGOs and organizations that do uh, with justice and accountability. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to leave us a rating on wherever you found it. Check us out via our website and via our Twitter feed. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you for our first official edition, which is coming up soon. And we promise to post a Janet selfie with Sharon Stone so you can see the oh asymmetrical no. haircuts in action <laughs> on the website. Okay, bye. bye. This podcast was created and hosted by Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg. Music was by audionautics.com. Our website is asymmetricalhaircuts.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the same handle. And please give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts.